who, what, when, where, and why. These are the five W's, well known to both journalists and law enforcement officers as the things that must be established to understand the complexities of human behavior. The Greek philosopher Aristotle analyzed such categories of being over 300 years before the birth of Christ. And these five markers can help us understand what is happening in the gospel today, taken from chapter 21 of St. Matthew. First, who is speaking and to whom? The Lord Jesus, of course, is speaking, and he is talking to the religious authorities of his day, the chief priests and the elders. Next, what is Jesus doing? He is attempting to teach the chief priests and elders an essential truth about the kingdom of heaven, a lesson they do not want to learn. Third, when did this happen? In Holy Week. We can't be absolutely sure of the day because Matthew begins chapter 21 with Palm Sunday, but Good Friday arrives only in chapter 26, and much of the teaching of the Lord Jesus from over the three years of his public ministry is placed by Matthew for narrative reasons within these six chapters set dramatically in the last days of Christ's life. But this exchange almost certainly did happen during Holy Week for reasons we'll see shortly. Fourth, where did this happen? In Jerusalem, specifically in the temple area, the place of sacrifice to God. And fifth, why did this happen? Because the Lord Jesus was approaching the hour for which he had come into the world, and these men to whom he spoke had an essential role to play in his suffering and death. Christ deliberately provoked this conflict with the authorities because his time had come, the time for his final Passover. Chapter 21 of Matthew's Gospel opens with the entry of Jesus into the Holy City on Palm Sunday. St. Matthew tells us that when Christ entered Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken and asked, Who is this? And the crowds, meaning the ones who cried out, Hosanna to the son of David, as they laid palms in the street before him, the crowds replied, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The very next passage in chapter 21 describes Jesus cleansing the temple and thereby enraging the religious authorities with his condemnation of their behavior. And then comes the cursing of the fig tree as a means of teaching his disciples about the power of faith. And in the next passage, which comes just before our text today, the teaching and conduct of Jesus provoke the chief priests and elders to question him about the source of his authority. You see, the leaders of the temple regarded Jesus as a false teacher, a man of no formal education or public standing. And so they demanded to know by what authority Jesus presumed to teach and act and from whom he received that authority. The Lord agreed to tell them these things on one condition. They must first answer his question about the authority of John the Baptist. So Matthew tells us Jesus asked them the baptism of John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? 
But the priests and elders would not answer Jesus. They had earlier rejected John as yet another false teacher. And if they acknowledged him now to be an authentic prophet, then they would reveal themselves to be opposed to God. But if they insisted that John spoke only for himself, then they would have aroused the opposition of the crowds who had first followed John and then followed Jesus. And so since the leaders would not answer the question of Jesus about the authority of John, he would not answer their question about his own authority. And now we come to today's parable of the two sons. The first son rejects the instruction to work, but later has a change of heart and eventually does what his father asked, while his brother pays lip service to their father, but remains disobedient. Jesus asked the priests and elders, which of the two did his father's will? They answered correctly, the first. And then the Savior rebuked them severely for being like the second son, who seems to obey but does not. A man, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Here is yet another reason the priests and elders wanted to kill the Lord Jesus, something they would do in just a few days. Friends, at the heart of the gospel is the difference between talking and acting, between saying and doing. And the Lord Jesus made clear that in the kingdom of heaven, sinful outcasts would come before religious authorities if the sinners were moved to conversion by the preaching of the word of God and religious leaders were not. But those who quibble over the authority of teachers or documents rather than accept the truth which sets us free from the slavery to sin and death, they cannot or will not hear the liberating truth of the word of God. And therefore, even high priests may be lost unless they are converted and come to understand their complete dependence on the mercy of God, mercy that is made visible in the word made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the second lesson today, St. Paul is teaching us how to do that. By God's grace, we must learn from the self-emptying love of Jesus Christ how to put others first and then live simply and peacefully in the truth of the gospel and in a saving union of faith, hope, and love with the divine Redeemer. And this, in turn, requires of us a willingness to carry the cross and to follow the Lord Jesus in the obedience of faith. And in order to do that, we must have much more than vague religious sentiments and the desire to be kind to others. We must have supernatural faith in the Word of God, the eternal Word who is God the Son, the incarnate Word who is Christ the Lord, and the written Word which is Holy Scripture. Without such humility and supernatural faith in the truth of the gospel, even the highest religious authorities will be lost and will face condemnation. Sadly, I fear that during the meeting of the Synod of Bishops this month in Rome, we may well see not a few religious authorities, even some of the highest ranks, 
display more confidence in the worldly wisdom of human desire than in the revealed word of God contained in Holy Scripture and transmitted authentically by the apostolic tradition. But the remedy for such unbelief is both simple and always at hand. We must each empty ourselves of pride, arrogance, and the illusions of autonomy and self-sufficiency, and then we must surrender our intellects and wills to the living God with supreme confidence in his love for us, the love which was finally and fully revealed by the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only then will we be able to see the face of God revealed not in a conquering hero who comes to bring a paradise to earth, but in the suffering servant who redeems us from the grave and offers us a share in his divine glory by first offering us a share in his cross. And so St. Paul wrote to the Philippians, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. He was known to be of human estate, and it was thus that he humbled himself, obediently accepting even death, death on a cross. Because of this, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bend in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue proclaim to the glory of God the Father, Jesus Christ is Lord.